Hello and welcome to the Owl Hoot podcast with me, Caroline Norbury. In each episode, I chat to amazing guests with way more expertise than me on topics covering the environment and sustainability. You'll get to hear the facts on climate change, biodiversity loss and pollution, as well as discover the fabulous actions that individuals and organisations are doing to mitigate and adapt to our changing world. I don't know about you, but I find it reassuring and hopeful that there are so many capable people out there doing great things for our planet, as well as inspiring me to get on and do my bit too. So without further ado, let's get on with this week's episode. Here with me today is Joy Carey, a sustainable food systems planning consultant. Joy works on finding solutions surrounding food production, trading, eating and waste, optimising the benefits to people, places and the planet. She collaborates with many stakeholders, including communities and policymakers, as well as being a member of Bristol Food Policy Council, Associate Consultant to Ruaf Foundation and a founding director of the Bristol Food Network. Recently, Joy has acted as strategic coordinator, working alongside other partners to enable Bristol to achieve a gold sustainable food city status, only the second UK city to do this. Joy has also co-produced two films and presented a TEDx talk. The food system significantly contributes to environmental issues, so I'm thrilled to have Joy on the podcast. Welcome, Joy. Thank you. Delighted to be here. So I always start by getting a bit of background of the person that I'm speaking to. Um, so it'd be lovely to hear uh, a bit about your career and how you came to be in food system consultation. Thanks, that's a good question. Okay, well, I guess it does go back to my childhood. So until I was 12 years old, I lived in Kenya um, and half of that in a rural area um, where every neighboring family farmed land and grew food for themselves so I think that that whole sort of small-scale food producer having the right to grow food feed your family well that that sort of embedded itself in my psyche so that's kind of at the heart of of everything I do I can tell you a little bit more about how things progress from there Um, yeah absolutely so when I went to university I, I studied international development and natural resource management and became increasingly interested in ways of farming that work with nature and as part of the wider ecosystem rather than depleting resources and causing pollution. So centuries old practices, which you can find in every corner of the world, every country, but so much of that wisdom and indigenous knowledge of of working with nature and producing food has been lost. So I got very interested in that and, and then interested in organic farming as as one of those ways in in our contemporary world to work in that kind of way. Um, I spent three years in inner city Birmingham, not perhaps where you'd think to start such a career. That followed a a year in India where I, I was really learning from Indian farmers how they were doing things so interesting Mm. um so in back in inner city birmingham i joined a group of people that um, amongst other things were growing asian and caribbean vegetables organically in the middle of the city and and working with people who were from other countries but came from farming backgrounds after that 
um, I decided to really focus on, on learning better myself about organic horticulture. So I went back to college to study commercial horticultural production, organic approaches. Then I went on to work with an organic market garden and a, a veg box scheme. And then I moved to Bristol and um, started working with the Soil Association where I was for about 11, 12 years, all on local food systems. So finding ways to produce food in really positive ways, but also to have much more direct connection between the people that produce food and the people that bought it. So, and looking at models for, for doing that. So local sales, so things like farmers markets, box schemes, community supported farming, community buying groups, school meals, all sorts of things like that. Um, and then since 2009, I've become an independent consultant and I've got very interested in how cities as units can act together to create step change. Um, so not just leaving it to the NGOs and the campaigning organizations, but as citizens, and as, as you know, we've got critical mass in cities, how can we find ways to work together to really create change through the food system? Wow, that's impressive, that breadth of variety that you've covered um, across your career. And really interesting that you started, you know, growing up in Kenya, and that's been an influence in, in what you've then gone on to do. I'm going to come back to all sorts of things that you've picked out there, such as the organic um, and the local food systems. But I want to make my next question so everyone is clear what we mean by food systems. What are we talking about when we're talking about food systems? Another really good question. So I guess it's just really easy to think about food as what you buy in the supermarket, um, your shopping experience. Um, or maybe just think about farmers in fields, but actually there's a whole system that starts with almost before people even begin. So we're starting with the soil and we come all the way around in a big circle back to the soil. But along that journey, there's the farmers that produce the food. There's the people that then process it, package it distribute it, get it into wholesale markets or get it into shops and supermarkets. Then there's us who go shopping and wherever we buy our food from and the choices we make about what we eat and the capacity, the ability we have, the availability it is um, for us, whether we can afford it, whether we have to travel far, that's all factored into thinking about the food system. And then what happens with wasted food and how that's managed. And then you kind of go full circle back to the soil. Is that getting, are we capturing the nutrients and getting that back into the soil or are we just burning it? Um, so that's a kind of very simple way to think about the food system. It's lots of different people playing their part in the journey of food from farm to fork, but then back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really nice summary because it's super complex, isn't it? I mean, that that just just that short summary give, gives everyone a flavour of of all the different parts, and there are a lot of moving parts in that in that uh, process in that system. Uh, then I I wonder how uh, if we say what a sustainable food system is, what does that actually look like um, across that that whole the whole those processes that you then describe? 
I realise we could spend 40 minutes probably talking about this. So whatever you think are key ideas within that system that make it sustainable, or maybe it's a short answer. In a way, it is and it isn't a short answer. I mean, let's just think about that word for a minute. So it's one of those words that's really bandied about a lot and has kind of lost its meaning and, and people quite often get annoyed when you use it. So, But if we look in the dictionary, sustainable means has the capacity to endure, able to be maintained over time, a system that maintains its own viability by using techniques that allow for continual reuse kept at a steady level that's not likely to damage the environment so obviously it depends what we're relating it to but if we therefore take sustainable food systems to mean ensuring our children and their children won't have to clear up a big mess and will be able to produce sufficient nutritious food for themselves from resources that are continuously reused and renewed you know that's that's a bit of a far cry from what we're doing at the moment. Mm. Um, what we're looking for is a system of producing and distributing food that's good for people, places and planet. That kind of is a nice, simple way of putting it. That means the health and well-being of ourselves, our local communities, our, our villages, towns, our cities, um, safe for nature, kind to farm animals, good for our health. And again, going back to my own childhood and where I start with this at the heart of it we need to value and honor a living healthy soil soil is like the elephant in the room when we talk about food system but without it we don't have a food system and of course part of this sustainable food system is about contributing to keeping the planet cool and not contributing to making it heat up so unfortunately we've got a global food system that's not keeping the planet cool at the moment. We've got serious problems to urgently sort. So scientists um, estimate that the global food system is responsible for up to a third of greenhouse gas emissions. And we really do need to learn to live within our planetary boundaries and produce and distribute food that's, you know, regenerates resources, doesn't deplete them. Mm. And at the same time is full of the nutrition that we need to stay healthy. So that is kind of a sustainable food system. It is complex. Mm. Because of that complexity, you touched on there the the, the you know the, the influence and the impact it's having on on our environment and climate change. You know, it's it's playing a really big part. Where do you start in saying, okay, let's make this system better, more sustainable? Do you start at the soil or do you start at the end user or do you look at the whole system in, in, in its entirety? Do you sort of step back and take a view and look at all the different moving parts? Where do you approach it from? Hmm. That is such a good, Caroline. And it, it, I think we have to start where we are, each one of us. We can ask ourselves that question hmm. and then just start with thinking about where we're at in, in relation to our food. So I, I think my answer to this question is start by getting curious about where our food comes from. If we all did that, just get curious without any judgment. You know, what are we eating? What are we putting in our fridges? What are we putting in our shopping baskets? And rather than just be passive, eyes tight shut consumers, you know, let's remember that we're part of a system we we contribute to how this system operates we're actually we're not at all passive we spend our money 
if we can afford it, we eat a decent meal three times a day. So we are very much active in this system, but we need to open our eyes, inform ourselves, get interested, get curious, find out about the people who are producing the food that we eat, you know, find out how they're doing that. And if we don't have the luxury to do all of that, maybe just focus on one thing. What do you really enjoy eating or drinking? Tea, coffee, um, bananas. There's lots of in information out there. Cereals. You might be interested to find out that although we have something like 50,000 edible plants on the planet, the overwhelming majority of staple foods are grains. And of those grains, it's three, just three. So corn or maize, rice and wheat. And that makes up 51% of the world's calorific intake. Now, is that actually good for us? Could we be diversifying what we eat? What's, what farmers produce in our area? What, what could we grow ourselves? Most of all, say this doesn't have to be an earnest, weighty, depressing thing. You know, actually learning about food is, can be so fun. It's, there's so much to learn. There's so much information out there. And there's an awful lot of people who actually really do care. So along the journey of getting curious about where your food comes from, you might make new friends. You might decide to join a local community garden or set one up yourself. Or you might join a box scheme. Or you might discover there's a community farm where you could go and help out on Saturdays. Or you might get an allotment. Or you might not do any of those things, but you might go and watch some really interesting films. Or, you know, there are just so many ways. So I think, going back to that question, let's get curious and let's stop being passive. That is such an excellent answer. And it feels, well, it is, it's so accessible, isn't it? Uh, I think you say, I think it might be in your TEDx talk where you say food is everyone's business or, or something like that. I'm probably misquoting you. And it, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely what you're saying, isn't it? We all have every day, you know, that we go into a, a shop to buy something to eat. We're making choices, aren't we? So, and we, we're in control of those to a greater or lesser degree um, of, of those choices. So getting curious, that's, that's a brilliant way to start thinking about it. And just by being curious, you just become a little bit more conscious, don't you? So I'm thinking with your recent involvement in getting Bristol to get that gold sustainable food city um, award, that that's bringing lots of local people together in the sorts of ways that you'll you've just sort of touched upon there but you, you've had a lot of um collaborations how did you get all those different moving parts and of, of the part of the you know the those that are involved in those gardens and those that are making food and those that are selling food how did you get all those sorts of people in a, on a local basis together and collaborate um, well, it's it's not been an overnight thing. So I think first to say we we here in Bristol, who um, we some people I know, many people I've never met, but we have a very lively food movement. Um, not everybody necessarily was working together or even knew about others. So it's been a journey of at least ten years. So over this last decade, all sorts of activities, things like workshops, conferences. Sometimes they're collaborative, you know, one big conference that everybody interested is hopefully gets to hear about or lots of different groups running their own workshops and not necessarily knowing about other people. But we've tried 
when I say we now, so I, I'm a founding director of a small organization called Bristol Food Network. It's an organization that has developed since the mid 90s. So it started off um, as a city council project, looking at what could we do more in relation to local food and, and, and then went on to help set up the first farmers market in Bristol. Um, but over the years, it's, it's changed. Um, and in 2014, became a community interest company and our purpose is to help connect the city up our purpose is to help everybody work together at the start of our conversation I, I was saying that I'm really interested in creating step change how can we as cities as as critical mass as, as lots of people together how can we act together to really create some significant change and and the purpose of Bristol Food Network is to help facilitate that but yes, it's it's the how do we do that? That's that's a lot to say. Um, over the decade, I mentioned gatherings of people and discussions. We've also done reports. Um, in in 2010-11, I did a effectively an audit, um, a, a baseline study called Who Feeds Bristol towards a resilient food plan, um, which is a really fascinating journey for myself I and mean, I got curious how who does feed the city who are the businesses where are they where are they getting their food coming from you know does does every part of the city have the same access um etc etc lots and lots of different questions and I think again how we've managed to get people working together um we're far from perfect but building on facts and figures and, and understanding a bit better who's doing what, so sort of mapping our own activities, um, ours, i.e. that means the food movement in the city, who is part of that, what's going on. We've then developed for the last two years, maybe three years, this effectively um, in working towards the Gold Award, we, we brought together a partnership of food organisations who before hadn't really been working together so we each bring a different part of the jigsaw um, and we identified some clear themes so we had six kind of strategic themes or goals that we wanted to build a plan around um, set some targets and then run a kind of a public campaign really but using a website to encourage everybody across the city to get involved so we we set out for each of these six themes food waste being one food equality being another urban growing being another one eating better buying better community activity we then set out different actions that you could take either as an individual or as an organization um, um, which included non-food businesses or specifically as a food business so we really mapped out what all of us could do together but around these shared goals to try and create a bit of step change. So I would say effectively we've, we've, we've piloted an approach and we've learned what works and we've learned what didn't work. And we want to now as our next stage um, really work towards a good food 2030 plan. So taking the next decade and really building on this, but it is about taking the whole city with us on a food journey um, and addressing the whole system. That's that's our ambition in Bristol. So it, it is a quite a high ambition. Um, and I'd say we've taken some small steps so far.
um, although we've got a gold award, that's great, but but that is very much the beginning of a new a new ambition, raising the bar. That's super exciting, isn't it? Um, that you've made progress. It seems from what uh, if I'm tying the things in that you're telling me correctly, is that you start with curious people interested in food, you then start joining up groups of people in different areas and suddenly you've you've got a movement in a particular you know in a, in a city that's moving towards more sustainable food on that point i wonder is there one particular area you talked about those goals and um and one of them for example was waste is one of those particularly because some of them will have benefits to uh, food insecurity and all manner of different social and economic uh, important points, but I'm thinking from an environmental environment perspective, uh, are one of those areas more giving, if you like, in terms of uh, from an environment perspective, such as I imagine waste is a pretty big deal in terms of the environmental impact and getting on top of that. Yeah, food food waste is a really key issue. There was an interesting report that came out at the end of 2019 looking at what action cities are best placed to take in relation to food, but in relation to climate change. So food waste is one of the top priorities because food waste, if it is wasted and goes into landfill is causing methane, which warms up the planet. Um, you've mentioned, well, it's, it's just an immoral situation that we're wasting food when people are going hungry. So you've got that whole social side. Um, but we're not managing to capture nutrients, energy out of this waste. So we also need circular systems. So there's a lot that we could do. But food waste is also important because it's not just about methane or the, the ridiculousness of people having too much and other people going hungry. It's also that if we're throwing away food that we don't eat, that might be still in its plastic and packaging. So that's a big issue in, in, in within the food waste arena. But it's also, think about it, if we, if we get a, a, a loaf of bread, a, a bag of potatoes, that came out of the ground somewhere, that used water, that used nutrients. So someone else is having their resources depleted and we're just binning it. And probably it's just getting burnt. It's not getting recycled or reused. So we, you know, we have food waste has this kind of footprint which goes global, actually. So it does come back to us not being passive, but getting curious, waking up, what can we do? And um, we made food waste one of our priorities as part of the um, Bristol becoming a gold status sustainable food city. Everybody can do something. And the city also needs to scale up its larger scale, um, the way we deal with food waste management. So Bristol has been doing quite a lot of thinking around food waste collections from households and how that then gets recycled, composted, um, energy take, get taken off of that, et cetera. So these are just really important things. And, and I, I, I do want to stress, this is of course not just about individuals. There are large businesses, local government, national government that are massively implicated in these big scale systems that are not working. Mm. But um, talking you and I together and with your listeners, each of us does have a part to play. And, and I think it can be so fun. So I did want to say with 
food waste, a really great thing to do is just to start looking at what we do in our own house. So it's the same as well, what we're putting in our shopping baskets. Actually, what are we putting in the bin? And if we just get curious about that, keep a little note, watch what you do over a week or over a month, notice what's getting wasted and think about, well, how could you do that differently? So it might be not buying two for one offer, or it might be actually doing a little bit of forward planning about what meals you're going to produce and, and, and therefore you've got a plan when you go shopping. You, you are thinking about how you're going to use that food. It's not just randomly taken off the shelf because you fancied it in, this, in that, that second. Um, and then there are some really awful things that happen, which I think as consumers, we could kick up more of a stink about. So for example, I'm sure we've all seen, let's say favorite packet of cereal on the back, there's some special offer for the family to an outing or a, a competition or something. Um, and it has a date, doesn't it? There'll be a deadline for the end of that competition or special offer. Well, what often happens is when that date is passed, that food is now food waste, but it is absolutely perfectly edible. You know, we're allowing this stuff to go on if we're carrying on being passive with our eyes shut and we could kick up a stink. We could say to the, the companies involved, that's not on. You just cannot do that. That's contributing to stupid amounts of wasted food. Um, I could go on. It's, yeah. it's a fascinating topic. Again, sure. I think I want my take home message here to be, again, add it to the to kind yeah. of the curious and the fun. You know, there's a lot to learn. Um, yeah. And there's some great stories with food, food waste campaigners discovering how many, for example, crusts of loaves from all the sandwich shops go into skips because no one wants to buy a sandwich made of crusts. So, so what's happening to all of those crusts? That's ridiculous. But there is a company in London that now make ale from recycled bread, for example. So there's so much we could do. And there's, there's new business that could come, lots of innovation that could come just on the back of food waste, and which is very exciting. Yeah, within that discussion there, you raise lots of interesting points. Of course, we could go off in any, any one of those directions. But I, I wanted to, to emphasize the fact that, yes, we're talking as individuals. I think it's, it's, it's great that we can feel empowered to do something. We're not all the answer. We can't expect to be all the answer, but we're definitely part of the we can We can do something. And that, I think that your take home message there really fits the bill with that on, on waste. And it's just it's it's making that connection with food isn't it it's making that connection and not assuming that somebody else will sort that out <laughs> somehow you're doing a lot of stuff with lots of local organizations does it mean that you're you're growing more food lo locally people are buying more food locally and if so why is that important yeah another good question so why is local important Local on its own obviously doesn't mean anything. Local to who, from where. So it is more about proximity. What's close or closer to you? Um, and I suppose there's kind of a, a logic that if something is available close to you, why not get it from there? Why travel further? Or why expect somebody to bring something from far away when you could get the same thing close? So there's that kind of basic principle around proximity. But there's also very importantly, when it comes to local food supply or often now called short supply chains, 
if we're buying food from the other side of the world and it's gone through lots of different traders and business people, it is completely opaque. There's no transparency in the system. It's very hard to know where that food came from and how it was produced, unless it's you're buying a brand which is tracing all of that and making it clear to you as, as a customer. If we buy, say, direct from a farmer at a farmer's market or subscribe to a a veg box or buy from a, and it might be an organic meat box or buy directly from small scale fishing businesses. If you live by the coast or you can buy through ordering online, which there's lots more of that available. It means that you're much more directly in touch with the people that have collected or produced, grown that food. Um, and, and it's just more human contact. So, so there's that people-to-people -people element as, as well as being much clearer what it is you're buying. Um, and I think it's a really good thing to seek out more local supply chains where that's possible and still really important to be asking, well, so how is that food produced? Because just because it's close to you doesn't mean that it's necessarily been produced or caught or processed in a way that's good for people, places and planet. So I think it's still back to that curiosity and, and taking interest in where your food's coming from. But the local has is also about local economy, local jobs, local skills, more cohesion and connection. It, it, there's so much to so many beneficial angles from these short local supply chains. If we could do more of that, it would be amazing. And the great news is that since the early 90s, actually the local food movement in the UK has, has really grown. It got decimated and it's been gradually putting itself back in new ways. And I'm guessing you haven't mentioned it, and I don't know whether this is, uh, is that important, but if you're, if you're buying local, you haven't got that transport element. You're, you're not, you haven't got the carbon footprint of that transport being shipping or whether it's coming a plane. So presumably that also has an environmental impact from buying local. Yes, it does. Um, I think research suggests that transportation is perhaps not as big a contributor to greenhouse gas emissions as other elements of the food mm -hmm. system certainly air air freight is so anything that isn't been isn't coming by air is really you know we, we shouldn't really be buying air freighted stuff for those environmental reasons um there is an argument that if you don't buy those beans that have been flown in at dawn from you know the global south the people that produced it then don't have jobs but there's you know that's a complexity of of our food systems and there are trade-offs that can be difficult compromises if you like but yes it is the, the transportation factor is there i think another another big factor is that that food is not having to to travel for a long time in cooled vehicles and, and actually refrigeration vehicles are perhaps a, perhaps a large contributor to greenhouse gas emissions in the transportation story than the actual transportation means. So, so it is quite complex, but yes, I'm not, I'm not saying that transport and, and few, fewer food miles are not important. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. It, it's about proportion. What, what are the most mm -hmm. important uh, issues around it? Going back to that, well, part of parcel of that, um, knowing what you're buying and it being healthy. Uh, you've mentioned the, the word organic quite a number of times through our conversation so far. 
again, why might be organic really organically grown um, foodstuffs be more important than non-organic? So to answer that question, I want to go back to the soil and soil health and biodiversity and nature. And that we, if we're going to live within our planetary means, we need to work out better ways of, of being in harmony and nature friendly and not, not causing negative impacts that, that cause destruction. We also know that we need to not be using fossil fuels, gas and oil as inputs just carrying on and on because they are heating up the planet the way we burn those heat up the planet and they're implicated in energy within agriculture but also used in fertilizers man manufacture fertilizers and 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 other inputs on farms so if we were going to make those changes use low input farming techniques that that can harness sunlight through certain plants that we we grow to put good stuff into the soil you know you put things onto soil use good composting techniques that allow soil microbes and fungi to do their best to be really healthy um, if we're putting chemicals on that's doing the opposite so it is back to a living soil that not only enables us to have really nutritious crops or animals that eat those nutritious crops, but it's also protecting the land. You know, we, we think about, there's a term called ecosystem services. So by that, for example, I mean, might mean if, you're, if you've got a piece of land which is stripped bare, no trees, heavily ploughed, not covered. When there's really heavy rain, that soil is going to get eroded. If it's on the slope, it might slide down the hill onto the people living below. You know, we're caused, we're, it, the way we manage land then contributes to the knock-on impact. So it could be then make heavy rain become a major flooding incident. Whereas if, if trees have been planted, if there are multiple types of crops on that land, if that land was never bare, it might be able to absorb a lot more water and we wouldn't have that flooding even if we had heavy rains. And those sorts of principles are what organic agriculture is about. Um, organic is not such a popular word sometimes because it's become associated with posh food and expensive um, and also because it requires a third party certification system so it is policed in order for you to know that what says on the label is actually going on um, but a lot of people find that difficult and there um, some people uh, rightly so um, accuse the organic movement of not being in harmony with nature enough still just having fields full of just one crop so there's a lot more talk now about regenerative agriculture and organic is part of that regenerative agriculture um, but I think the take-home message here is it is about the soil and it is about nature and we need to farm ways that really enhance safeguard reuse, recycle, um, regenerate, and organic is one of a set of um, ways of doing that. I'm sorry, that's a very long answer, but I, no. I feel that that's really important. It's, it, it can be that organic 
just as used as shorthand for posh and expensive. And it's not about that. Unfortunately, it's got pushed into a niche, which can be seen that way. I, I think you answered that really well, because it you, you make that clear distinction of what it is and what it isn't. And going back to how we grow things is, is really important. And of course, all of these all of these things we could talk about all day and I would love to but I'm sort of aware of the time so I'm just going to come back to the final two questions uh, Joy and the, the penultimate question there are lots of uh, environmentalists and governments and businesses working towards 2050 and I, again these are, these are you <laughs> you could go anywhere with this couldn't you how do you imagine or how do you hope the food system will have changed by 2050 what will it look like do you think if there is such a thing as a short answer to that question <laughs> well so that's 30 years away isn't it mm. um it's good to think about that very concretely we're talking 30 years those of us who are parents or or have small children in the family you know that 30 years actually isn't that long one minute a child is six months, the next minute they're 15, and the next minute they're 30. It's actually not very long. It's the lifetime of our, I mean, the, the, if we're having children now, when they're 30, what's going on and what do we want for them? So I think, you know, I could envision horrendous stuff. We're seeing fires on our TV screens every day. You know, it's actually really scary. Um, Greta Thunberg is right our house is on fire we have to take urgent 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 action and we really need to wake up but I also think let's let's develop really positive visions there are so many people who are saying we can still do so much the food system in terms of climate change we can do such a lot and I think it there's some just wonderful ideas around great businesses a lot more young people who are wanting to get into farming so in 30 years time I would like to see a replenished group of farmers we keep talking about family farms closing down the average age of the farmer is was 50 that was 55 60 you know let's bring that average age of farmers back down which means that the UK really does need to invest in farming and to value soil really value soil and, and why because it we're so dependent on it and we can have such fun be so creative if we work with nature so rewarding a, a beautiful environment healthy food so I guess it's taken us 10 years the last decade to get facts and figures in order and to sort of develop more collaboration here in Bristol and I would hope that here in Bristol over the next 30 based on that we could really make some big shifts. At the moment, we're focused on things like nature-friendly urban growing, really using our land well within the city, getting many more people skilled up and confident about composting, growing, knowing how to cook. Wouldn't it be amazing if all the food waste in the city, plus the green waste stuff from our gardens, was properly not just... Um, put into an anaerobic digester safe for energy but that we created really high quality compost that went back into the city and and further afield you know could we just really up our game on on our circular systems thinking for for waste um could we have lots more 
entrepreneurs, businesses welcome to find solutions that, that fit this vision. But I think we do need to agree, you know, your question, what do we think it will look like? What do we want it to look like? And, and that's where we need to work on an agreement about what is it that we're actually trying to make happen. So much of my work as a consultant is around helping multi-stakeholder groups to get really clear what's our vision, what are our targets, what, what's our direction of travel, what do we want to make happen, how are we going to do that, how are we going to know we've made it, what can we measure, what data do we need, and all of these things I think need to be part of making that vision happen in 2050. So maybe I haven't answered your question exactly as you were expecting me to. No, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I think it's about active planning um, and then some really exciting visions of, of really working with nature, nature-based solutions and, and having that very much cities connected in with the countryside in which they're located, both in terms of nature movement, but also the way we produce and, and trade our food and support our producers and learn our skills. There's a lot of opportunity and hope in that answer. So I think that's a really positive thing about moving forward. And I come to my final question, which is more of a personal one. I wonder throughout your own career journey, what, if, if any, have you, you, may, you may have already been from a place of embedded in you from your childhood on, on how, to be, how to live sustainably, but are there changes that you might have made that you, that you really feel proud of? in doing that in, on, a, on a sort of a personal level? Oh, another very good question. Well, I guess because I've taken time to investigate the way food is produced and I've been involved in that from my, working, from my work and from my own training, trying to buy food that is produced, if not certified organic, produced in ways that are nature-friendly is really important. So I do... And get a regular box scheme from the local community farm and that community farm does so much more than just produce food so it's working with different community groups you know it's got all these sort of multifunctional elements of, of what the food system has to offer so I'm I've done that I have found the whole thing about seafood quite disturbing and and the pollution in the oceans and therefore the impact that we've had on on the health of fish and that's an ongoing sort of challenge for me about what's okay and what's not so I, I can't say I've I've I'm really proud of it but it's something that I'm constantly thinking about um, and we're lucky enough to be able to buy fish produced on a on a fish farm but which is very carefully managed and, and it's inland it's a so it's fresh fish for example mm -hmm. just just something that I've found that I could do but if anything actually it's making connection between food and fiber so food and clothes so actually many many fiber farmers so let's say cotton or bamboo many of them also produce food and, and our clothes and where our clothes come from in terms of natural fiber are very much part of the agriculture system and part of the food story and I became very interested in organic cotton and have realized that um, that whole 
everything runs in parallel. So everything I've learned about the food system also applies to the fashion industry. So I'm taking a slight sideways step here, but it's it's been very challenging. You know, I thought I'd food does it and it's a really important part, but it's not the only thing. So I think perhaps you, one of your next speakers could come from the sustainable fashion industry and you could have a really interesting conversation about that. I've got particularly interested in cotton because it is often so much integrated into other farming systems which are about food and the way that cotton needs to be seen as part of a, a mixed diversity of crops, not a monoculture. Interesting. And thanks for the top tip. I know where to go, <laughs> to go for next. Joy, it's been it's been really, really fabulous. I wanted to say it was been an absolute joy, but that would be um, inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And as I say, I could have could, this conversation could go on a lot longer. Uh, but thank you for the time that you have given me anyway this morning. You're more than welcome. And I think I'm going to leave you with my last. I forgot to tell you what I was most proud of. Go for it. But this takes us back to soil, okay? Right. Soil, 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 soil. <laughs> In lockdown, my partner and I got a wormery. So we've now got worms eating our vegetable waste. So I'm putting less food waste into my food waste collection bin because we're composting it with the help of wiggly worms in our garden. And that's been such a delight and so interesting and lots to learn always new things to learn joy always yeah. <laughs> that's a good vision Thanks so much what a delight it was to have joy on the podcast food systems are a complex business but joy managed to give a clear picture of all the moving parts and provided straightforward messaging on sustainability within food systems Get Curious is a perfect starting point, whether we're thinking about where does my food come from or where does it end up. You can find more about Joy through the links in the show notes, including the short film she co-produced and her TEDx talk. If you want a deeper dive into the environmental topics covered through the podcast, then take a look at my three-minute blogs. It's on the website at www.theowlhoot.com. I'd like to thank Andy Shaw for audio editing the episode, Jeremy Jones for providing the music, and to you, of course, for listening. Next up on the podcast is Jen Gale, founder, sustainablish, author, and fellow podcaster. She is a fount of knowledge on ways to live more sustainably. Until then, bye for now.